Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, a show dedicated to helping the automotive aftermarket service industry. Covering topics suggested by you, the listener, we dive into what's important, getting you what you need to succeed. Here's what's coming up. Just getting to know your customer, especially on the phone. You can do a five or ten minute conversation with the customer about their vehicle and what they're looking for. You get a better sense of what they need. You, you can't help 100% of the people 100% of the time, but we do our very best to help everybody we can. We're an integrity-based quality automotive shop. You got my brand. <laughs> <laughs> what does value look like? It looks Based. like different things to different people. So, Brian, people so how, do you, how do you portray that? Honesty. I, I think you have to... I think you have to make a decision as to what you have that is of value, where you think is of value to your clients, and that's what you have to show. So you have to showcase. That's what you have to talk about. We need your help. By submitting questions or topics to institute at ifrave.com, we can continue to cover things that are relevant to you. But for now, we've collected a panel of experts to get you serious results. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. The interesting thing is that people go to McDonald's for lunch, people go to the local place down the street that's twice as expensive, and then people go to, I don't know, Long Longhorn Steakhouse and have lunch. They, 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 they do all kinds of things, and they do that at different times and in different ways. So I might be one time a, a real value shopper, and another time I might be a price shopper in a different time or in a different commodity something I'm purchasing. So I, I think you have to define first what it is that you believe your clients or the clients you want, the people that will feel smart, what do they want from me? That's a great point, Cecil. Because I, I, I go through the drive-thru now and then. I hit McDonald's, get some chicken McNuggets. You know, It's not my first choice, but sometimes I need that. You know, when you're when you're running through an airport at, the, you know, at nine at night and the only place that's open is McDonald's and you haven't eaten all day, McDonald's it sounds pretty good. But if you have multiple, in my world, if you have multiple choices, McDonald's not on the top of my list. I think when you're talking automotive repair, it's probably a little different because McDonald's, however, has created the brand that says, if you go in and get a Big Mac, it's going to be a Big Mac. Uh, we got great fries. You get a drink. It's a buck every time. And you know what you're going to get when you go to a McDonald's. When you go to an automotive shop, if you haven't been there in the past, you have to rely on other indicators to say this is you know, this is what you're going to get when you come here. And and I'm I'm hoping that the typical shop owner is creating that that is a, conscious of that and is aware of that and saying this is what I want that experience to be. So this is how I'm going to run my business. Um, you know, my guys are going to wear uniforms and and uh, it's going to be clean and it's going to be organized and. And all along the way, we're reassuring that client, you made the right decision by coming to our place. You did the right thing. I think that you can't, I mean, obviously I've got a shop. Uh, Word's going to get out that I have a shop somehow from people that accidentally stumble into my business. But for today's automotive business, it has to be much more than that, I, I believe. You mentioned the word commodity a minute ago. You're talking McDonald's. Yes. Um, you're not buying a hamburger from McDonald's per se, is you're getting an experience that you know is going to be consistent because that's how they created their model. Yes. Um, you're talking about creating a, a value proposition. You know what you're going to get for those dollars at a McDonald's, no matter if you have it in Ogden or if you have it in San Jose, California. It's going to be consistently the same. What we're providing in automotive service, we're not necessarily providing the commodity except who we are. That is our commodity. 
That is our value proposition. And then we pour everything into that. So the customer will know what to expect. In painting that picture online and painting that picture in print, advertising, radio, TV, whatever we're using, we have to be consistent. So we have that consistent marketing value proposition so the customer can feel that, um, as Jeff was talking about a minute ago, they can feel like, okay, I'm going to come in there. It'll also eliminate the 99-cent shopper. We're not looking for the, uh, the the value general shopper in most cases in our type of stores. Those people need to have good service, and there are shops that will take care of them. A lot of the franchise shops, hey, God bless you, good job, go get them. But when people can you know, crawl out of mom's basement, put the Cheetos away, and they're ready to get some really quality work, that's where we want to come in. That's where our message is going to scream loud and clear. You want the best. You want to move up and uh, have a really good experience and great value, a great experience and great uh, consistency. That's what we're looking for. And that's where we want to push our marketing and make sure everything we do screams that. Commodity probably wasn't the right word, but because a commodity is, is milk or gasoline. And the funny thing oh. about commodities is people don't even buy a commodity like a commodity. They buy milk based on primarily that's the milk we have at home. So I don't look at the price. I just buy the milk. And it's based on the store that they're going to that gives them that consistency. That's where the commodity comes in. But yet we all know we want to use a brake job to brake job. And we all know, no, it's not. An oil change is not necessarily an oil change. Um, I always say that you can't compete on price because there's always going to be somebody that's willing to lower their price cheaper than you will in your neighborhood, either because they've made a conscious decision to do so. Uh, I can do that if I cut a corner here, a corner there, or uh, because they're not aware of what their cost should be. And so they're pricing themselves well under what the market, uh, what they need to survive. So if that's true and I cannot compete on price, then in what realm or how do I compete in a different way? Car owners have been taught by uh, the media that they need maintenance on these vehicles. And they're not going for the cheapest price. What they want is they need to keep their vehicle going. So they're going to go to a shop that's going to provide that value, right? That they're going to do the job right. They're going to make them aware of all the, you know, the shortcomings of this vehicle. Right. And uh, put them on a schedule. Hey, you got to come in every six months. You're going to need this next time you come in. So to me, it's prices becoming far, far and away, not the highest thing they're looking for. They're looking for a consistent experience on a reputable shop that they know their their vehicle is going to get serviced correctly. I I agree with you 100 percent. I've always run my business that way. I've consulting. If you look at the kind of clients that I have, they're the kind of clients that are what we would call more high-end shops, their prices are probably higher in the neighborhood than most of the other places. And frankly, they're usually more consistent and busier than the other places also. Um, But there's so many shop owners that are going to watch this that go, well, wait a minute, you know, this consultant told me I got to have a $39 oil change. Or, you know, if you do uh, mudlick mail, they want a discount coupon. Some of the website companies, uh, they want on your front page a discount coupon, a reason for that customer to come in the first time. So my message is over the years, it's just been quality repairs. I've never put price in there. I'm here to fix your car. I'm here to fix your car quality. I get a new manager in. He wants to do the cheap coupons to get more consumers in. I'm not bringing any more consumers in by using that. 
I've branded myself as a good shop, and this is what you expect. People aren't even using the coupons, and if they are, they're what, half a percent? Barely? You barely see them. They're not using them. They see my name. They don't clip the coupon. They come in. Mr. Uh, Greeno, there's always going to be somebody in my neighborhood cheaper than me, considerably cheaper, and they're going to be talking about that. And occasionally I get a customer that comes on, comes in my shop. After they've been there, they have that buyer's remorse that you're talking about. They go online and state, hey, they ripped me off because I found this job cheaper. Um, how, how do we deal with that? I mean, how do you, how do you make that not happen? So if, uh, if I get the, if I get specifically a pricing review that, that they found it cheaper after they left my shop somewhere else, my review is going to start out with a description of, uh, likely, a description of, of their experience that began with an emergency, more than likely, that we took care of, uh, that then I'm going to go and talk about the fact that any business is going to have a different pricing structure than another business. And I'm going to finish with some piece of information about my unique value proposition that, you know, by the way, we schedule these appointments and we're available Monday through Friday. Give us a call today. Basically, I'm going to put a call to action at the end of that, at the end of that answer. Uh, the, the way that I deal with the price piece of things, something that I've been doing since uh, about a year and a half ago, is we started a dividend program similar to uh, REI. Um, and as I describe it, you'll recognize it as a customer loyalty program, but every customer gets a cool little Visa card that says quality automotive on it. And 5% of everything they spend with us goes on that card. It's good for one year before it sunsets. So they need to come in regularly and they get 5% of their, of whatever they've spent forward. And it, uh, it's, it's one of those pieces where at the close of the transaction, they're getting this, this benefit after the fact. And it, it makes them feel great. And they've always got a reason to come back to me. So even if they were thinking they wanted a McDonald's cheeseburger that day and not the Longhorse Steakhouse lunch, they're going to look in their wallet, see my card that says quality automotive and go, oh, man, I think I got like 50 bucks on this card and I need an oil service today. On the other side of this, as we were talking about filtering our customers, we filter our customers whether we know it or not. And, and I know this better than anybody based on the struggle I've had over the last 10 years. Sheila and I have, have marketed our brains out to be that shop that we wanted to be. And it really hit home most recently when she was with a couple of friends who drive Mercedes. And they said, there is no way we're bringing our cars to a smog shop. And I said, that's it. We're changing the name. That's, that's, we, need, we need to filter the other direction. We're filtering out these women who have multiple European cars and these are bright, educated women, but our brand said something else. And so reaching out in front, our filter now says quality automotive servicing, not, hey, we're a smog shop, come on in anytime. What if we told you that you could get quality training and education conveniently and without emptying your pockets? Our gear platform presents great education and resources for automotive shops, courses led by experts inside and outside our industry, a community of like-minded people to engage with, and a resource library at your fingertips. With a monthly membership, you can gain access to every course we have in the library, as well as the multiple courses we add each and every month. With the ability to watch wherever and whenever you'd like, gear provides the training you've been looking for at only $129 a month. 
For help with improving your business, head to iFrave.com and click on the courses we teach to sign up for a better business and a better life today. But Bill, and this is this is a, a question for all shops everywhere and probably a really valid question. When you say struggle for 10 years, I've been with you for 10 years. I've seen your numbers for 10 years. You've been making some pretty darn good money for 10 years. Um, yeah. and, and now, all of a sudden, you're going to make a shift? I mean, what are you, are, you, are you nuts? Are you crazy? How do you make that decision when your business is running exceptionally well? And, and, and then, boom, I'm just going to make that shift. Well, in business, there is no hover, baby. You're either growing or you're dying, and we're moving. Amen. We're moving. Adelante, always forward. You, you've always got to be looking at the next thing and, and whatever that next thing is. Greg and Jeff and I were talking just before about what the future looks like for vehicles. And we were talking about the hybrids. And then Greg brought up the fact that, you know, down the road here, customers aren't even going to want an experience at an auto shop. They're just going to want to pick up their, their fleet car, the car that they have in their, uh, you know, their zip parking car. Room parking lot car or the car that's delivered to them or whatever it is. And, and we need to all be, you know, or, or, or shop consolidation or, you know, whatever that piece is, what the future looks like, we need to be looking at it. And that's why, that's why we changed our name because we're looking at the next thing and smog is on its way out. I don't think we're going to be smogging as many vehicles in the future. And I think that vehicles that the state is probably going to take that program back. I've always been surprised that uh, we still have smog based on the fact that the car can tell me when it knows it's not running right. I always thought that smog would end up, if your check engine light comes on, you got three weeks to get it in the shop and get it fixed, or the car doesn't start. I believe you know, um, that. Well, it ought to be something like that. We already have the emission sensors on the street. Okay, your car's flagged. Sorry, your registration, you don't get to renew it. There so. you go. Take it in, get it fixed. It is what it is. Um, anyway, back to the... Back to the topic uh, uh, at hand. When your your business is going through some of the ups and downs, and you're in the downs, and you're short staffed, or you have new people who who maybe don't have the same performance level as the people that you used to have, um, how do you keep how do you keep the, that level of quality or service to clients? And uh, I'm going to start with Jeff there. Wow, that's a challenging question. Um, we've been fortunate in that area. You do the best you can with what you have. But then again, when you get into some big, deep jobs or something that's going to take some extra diagnostic time or advanced diagnostic time, and you don't have the manpower, you need to let the customer know beforehand. Even though it might hurt your pocketbook on the front end, you're going to make a customer on the back end because you didn't waste a lot of their time, you didn't waste a lot of their money, and then tell them, we can't get your card fixed. We don't have the capability at this time to fix that card. You do the best you can with what you have. And so honestly, it's kind of managing expectations. Is it okay to send a car away because you're not sure, you don't think that you're going to be the one to get that car fixed? Is there a place? I, I, a lot of shop owners want, I got to fix everything. I want to be that guy that literally every shop in town sends all their crap to because uh, I can fix it. Is it okay to not be that guy? Absolutely it is. It's a lot more profitable. You, you kind of got to stay in your lane. Everybody has, every shop's got a niche of some kind. This is what they're good at. Taking a car that you're not familiar with, you don't have the manpower, the capability to fix that vehicle. You charge the customer a few hours diagnostic time and you still have no answers. It's a lose-lose, isn't it? 
I agree with you hundred percent. I'm the guy that says, I know what my lane is and, and I market my lane and I stay in my lane and I let other people do the stuff that is not going to be profitable for me or not going to make me successful with my clients. Right. Even when times are challenging, you know, your car counts down or, or whatever the case may be, the integrity part comes back into play. Stop wasting your time trying to find a magic bullet. There isn't one. However, our Keys to Automotive Business Success teaches the foundations of a successful automotive shop and gets you started on the right path, which is pretty close. You'll learn how to set actionable and achievable goals, understand your financial model, and how to communicate more effectively with your team. This course was designed to jumpstart your results, not waste your time. Take the class today and you'll learn how to start creating the business and life you want. Visit ifrave.com to register for the class at only $49 and available to take wherever and whenever you'd like. It's what every shop owner needs to kickstart their business into success. You can't always run it on profit either because on-the-job training is how I learned in this industry, and it's still no different. You get difficult cars in, okay, instead of sending them to training, you have training right there. You got the broken car, you got the technology to get it, the mechanic goes to school. I put that out of the books as a, a learning opportunity. Training expense. Oh my gosh, that's where they're going to learn and they're never going to forget and they'll be able to share that experience with the rest of the shop. You just um, you just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up when you said you can't always run it for profit. So uh, I would agree with you. <laughs> um, I would agree with you, but I would also state that, you know, there are some shops that are killing themselves because their guy has got the experience. He went through all that training. He made all the mistakes. and Now they're still charging less than they should be charging because he can do the job faster. Um, I think customers have to pay for some of that training along the way. And, and certainly at the end, you know, it's kind of like being a consultant. I mean, you know, I, I made every mistake, probably cost me a million dollars or more throughout my career, all the bad choices I made and all the things I did wrong. And I learned from those things. And now I'm able to leverage that and, and earn a pretty darn good living, you know, helping other people not make the mistakes that I made. Is I'm sure I've left millions on the table. But what I know now is I have a great solid foundation as a repair facility. But if I stay as repair, I won't stay in business. You have to do the maintenance. You have to do the services. You need the fat to stay in business nowadays. So, you know, we're moving away from a lot of labor and going to the maintenance where the work's profitable. It's funny, too. The business has changed so much in the time I've been around, you know, we used to fix broken cars and that used to be 90% or 80% of what we did. And today, most of the shops that I work with, including the shops that I owned, uh, we didn't fix broken cars. We took care of cars and occasionally we fix something that was broken, but it became such a small part of our business. Um, uh, that goes back to the model that I want to run, I think. Um, I was driving up the grapevine uh, into LA. For those of you that will watch this that don't know what that is, there's an 8 to 10% grade as you're moving into LA, and it's usually 120 degrees in the summertime there. And as I'm driving up the grade, there's all these cars pulled over overheating. People with their hoods up, you could see steam coming out. And and I'm thinking to myself, man, this would be a great place to have a shop. I'd put it right there. And, and it, when you came in, I'd just go, show me the money, right? And then a couple of minutes later, I thought to myself, well, what cars are really pulled over? 
And the majority yeah. of the cars that were pulled over were older, beat up, poorly maintained, crappy car. And I thought to myself, do I really want to work on those? Even if there's a, a supply, you know, just coming through all the time. And the answer was, no, I guess I won't have a shop there. We really, I think most shop owners don't understand that they really can determine the kind of clients they work with. I get to make that choice and that decision. <clears throat> Bill, I see Bill Adams there shaking his head. Yes. Um, Bill, could you expound on that a little bit, maybe? I think uh, once you've been there, you know. As shop owners, I think at one point in time, we've all chased the elusive any car just so we can fill our base. And it takes us a, a bit of maturity. It takes some uh, takes some scars to realize that sometimes you just have to hold the line and keep searching for and or working for your best customer. You're right, Cecil. I, I do the grapevine quite a bit. And uh, you're right. You don't want those cars. Or I'll see the cars going over my hill. And uh, you're like, dude, what are you thinking? That car shouldn't be on the road. You should be riding a bus. And then go back to honesty. Sometimes we need to tell our clients that it's time to move on. But it's so important that we can pick and choose who our clients are. And it comes, again, back to who we are, knowing who we are, market to who we are, and then only work on those cars that people are aligned with our message and our uh, and our values. Uh, I know Bill Adams real well. Bill and I have worked together for years and Bill's got an extremely successful business in Castro Valley. Um, does some amazing numbers. I know Bill Greeno for more than 10 years. And, and as I said, Bill's doesn't need to change because he makes gobs of money and has a very successful business. I don't know Greg real well, but Greg, since you're with Bill and you guys are talking about marketing and stuff, I'm going to assume that you also have done fairly well in your in your business, Greg and Jeff. What are two things that you believe are absolutely essential that you provide uh, for your customers to, um, to so that they they're wowed? So it's not just I came in and I had a decent experience and I, it cost me money and maybe I'll go back next time, but so that they go, man, this was a great experience. I want to come back to this shop. And uh, I think we'll start with uh, Jeff. So the biggest thing, when you walk into any shop, I know I do it. I look around. Am I comfortable in this place or not? The communication is actually the key before and after the job. We always show customers their old parts. It's, it's just a courtesy because we've been accused of not replacing parts when, in fact, got it in my hand. Here's your old part. Communication and honesty. I, I'm huge on honesty. Because it doesn't do you any good not to be honest. And all that does is create animosity. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't do that. You don't tell the customer what they want to hear. You tell them what they have to hear, what they need to hear. Oh, it, well, yes, we do both, actually. We don't tell the customer what they want to hear. Because everybody does that. My, our writers are very good at what they do. For me, it's just all honesty. It really is. Good or bad, right or wrong, give them the the correct answer, not the one that you think they want to hear. I wish some other cops and consultants were able to watch this and go, man, that's a, a heck of a lesson. Um, I think it has to be about everybody winning. And when the customer doesn't get the straight story, it's not, it's, it isn't fair uh, to the customer. And when the shop doesn't make the profit that it should make, it isn't fair to the shop. 
There's a ton of different advisor training options in the industry, making the choice that much harder to make. Some shove too much into too little of a time frame, they can be inconvenient and costly, or they're just filled with unhelpful, non-applicable information. So how are you supposed to create confident and capable service advisors? The Advisor Mastery Program from the Institute is the industry's leading service advisor training, now almost entirely online. With one-on-one -on -one coaching, KPI tracking, live community trainings, a resource library, and more, there's no wonder why advisors who finish the program have seen their efforts rewarded with more confidence, higher arrows, and better sales. If you're ready to stop settling for mediocre and start ruling the counter, join the Advisor Mastery Program today. Head to iframe.com and register now. We'll see you in class. Um, Mr. Adams, two things, uh, we're getting towards the end here, uh, two things that you think are absolutely essential to give your customers that experience. I want to make sure that we understand their expectations and then beat them. And I want to give them the, uh, the value proposition to where they felt that no matter what dollar they spent, they feel that they spent a good dollar. Um, we're never going to be the cheapest shop, but I want to make sure that that customer knows that we exceeded their expectations and that we gave them very good value for their dollar. That comes back to the parts we use, the experience they have with our service advisors, the experience that they have with any warranty issues, all of the things that go into our secret sauce that make us who we are. Greg, same question. You know, um, I'm a blue collar worker, right? And I want to go out to a restaurant and I buy a steak. I want that steak to come out right. I want it juicy, I want it tender, tasty. So I'm all about value. That customer comes in, I want to make sure he gets his money's worth today and tomorrow. That money that he spends in my shop, I want that money good for the long run, long haul. Something goes wrong, I'm going to take care of it. Well, I want them to get their money's worth. If they get their money's worth, even if things go wrong and you take care of it, your name's good on the street. Things are going to go wrong. Things are going to break. You just need to stand behind it, step up, Get that customer's car back to them and figure out and negotiate a, uh, a resolution. People want their cars fixed. Things are going to happen. Yeah, that's okay. It's okay that you made a mistake or something broke. What's not okay is not getting it back to them in a timely manner and just working out the details. One of the things I absolutely uh, hate in a restaurant is when the server uh, acts like uh, it's an imposition uh, to serve me. Um, I want someone that's excited actually to come to my table and get my order. Uh, I like the guy that goes, Oh, that's a great choice. I love that particular meal. Right. And, uh, and, and then comes back afterwards. Um, one of the things I hate is when they've screwed up and they know they've screwed up when they ignore you, you can see them walking around the restaurant and they won't look at you. They won't even, they, they, they're, they're almost like this, you know, because they're afraid to come over. Um, if they've screwed up, I want the I want the guy or gal to come over and go, hey, what can I do? And 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 to take care of yeah. it's their job, in my opinion. If I'm gonna pay, you know, 50 bucks for this meal, um, I at least for the hour and a half I'm there want to be treated like um like I I matter in in some way. Mr. Greeno, will you please tell us the two things that you think are most important for your customers to, to achieve in, or your your client your, your staff to achieve with your customers? Most important for me is going to be service with a smile, which I know sounds cliche, but that's that's really truly uh, from a, from the time that we first uh, make contact with them by phone to the time that they walk through our door. I want I want them to have a smiling experience. 
Smiling is contagious. When we smile, they smile, everybody feels better. And then the second piece would be whatever the positive opposite of remorse is. Um, so I want them at the, at the end of the transaction, during the transaction to feel good. I want that, 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 that relief maybe is the word uh, that, that they show up and they're, they are tense, they're aggravated and now they feel relieved. And then we call them with the estimate and the relief continues. And then they walk away with their, with their keys. They start their car, they drive out of the parking lot. And once again, that, that feeling just washes over them of, oh my gosh, I made the right decision. I love those guys. That's, that's the two things. All right. Um, I want to talk just briefly because we only have about maybe five minutes. Um, so um, how are you reaching out to your customers to create community? Community is very important to us and how we create our message. We do it a number of different ways, very intentional. We're out in the community doing uh, car shows. We do events at our shop where we're bringing people in so we can show them how to take care of their cars. We're active in all of our schools with sponsoring sports. Everywhere I can be in the community, we're going to be in the community. Uh, uh, chamber of Commerce, car shows, uh, church events, bazaars, anything that we can take our value proposition from our shop out to the streets to show people, hey, we're part of this community. I'm also active in the community and being visible, not just being at the shop all the time, but being out in the community, being the Pied Piper, so to speak. And this is how we build a community. We want to be part of that. Tell people that we want to be part of your community and not just uh, hope that they figure it out. Are you um, still doing pay-per-click in your store? Yes. And do you have an online presence such as Facebook or Google or, or, or those things? I do, yeah. I, you're talking about that type of community. I'm, yes, we were. I think we're I'm huge. talking about both, but. Okay, great. Yeah, we're, we're huge there. I spend a buttload of money on it because that is where our young skulls full of mush go first. Um, and they're they're slowly climbing out of uh, mom's basement and they're wanting to get their car fixed right. Um, so, yeah, we're, our, our presence on uh, Google, our presence on Yelp, as much as a lot of you, a lot of shop owners you mentioned Yelp and they know it's a four letter word. It works. It is painful. Uh, Google works great. Yelp works great. Facebook. We're on Facebook intentionally, very professionally. We spend the money to make it look extra and feel right. Uh, same thing with Instagram and uh, Twitter. Uh, Jeff, uh, what do you guys do to create community? Can't speak for Greg, but I see what he does. So we work with nonprofits, work with the university. Um, he does car shows. He works with kids, a ski program. Uh, there is uh, Truckee Meadows Community College. We sponsor a few kids in the automotive program. Which is amazing. And you sponsor the program. It's amazing. We, we do sponsor the program. But more than that, Greg is involved in what goes on in the day to day. I mean, it's he, he's he's a great man to work for, but he's one of the best motivators I've ever seen. With it works for us, it you, really does. You have to have happy staff in order for your customers to have a good experience. We do, and I tell I tell my riders just about every morning, six thirty in the morning. This is the happy room. Yeah. Back in the shop or what goes on in my boss's office, I don't care about, but this is the happy room. We're happy here. So whatever you have to do to make that, you do it. Do what it takes. Mr. Greeno, what are your comments about creating community? I know you're very active in your local community. I'll start with uh, piggybacking on what Jeff said. I think 
the first thing that we do is, is take good care of our, of our folks so that they can take care of our customers. So Sheila and I take great care of the staff. The staff is happy to take care of the customers. Um, as far as uh, community outreach goes, something that we've done um, for a long time, and we're, and we're doing it again right now, when, when we uh, are looking for something new and we're not sure what we want to do with our advertising, we give our advertising to a nonprofit in town. And while we're working on our new jingle right now, yeah, here's a here's a note from the Kids Own Children's Museum. That's that's uh, our current ad that's running. And then uh, the Kids Zone has 45 seconds to talk about what they've got going on. So we we help advertise for those folks. We get the word out about whatever their primary concern is. And uh, and then I think the last piece is is people come into your shop all the time with their handout. Anytime you have a brick and mortar, people are going to come in and ask you for donations or something. You need to have a product that you can always say yes to. And for me, that product is a coupon. It's uh, it, it's not a coupon, excuse me, it's a gift certificate. I used the, 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 the wrong C word there, certificate. And it's good for $50 towards anything you want at our shop. And we say yes to that all the time. Really, there, I don't, I have never felt a uh, liability for that amount of money out there because the return is really low, but the person who walked in and asked you, it's not easy to ask for money. For those of you who help with nonprofits in your community, it's very difficult. When that person walks out of my shop feeling good because I gave them a gift certificate when they asked for it, that person's gonna consider, at least consider coming back as a customer. So I'm gonna ask one one last question and I really want just a very short answer. Does the way that your shop look matter? Yes, it creates the, the uh, initial impression that the customer has. It creates that first impression. And if you look dirty, scuzzy, and nasty, people are going to expect that. And that's going to go to that whole level of expectations you're trying to create. I, I totally agree with what Bill Adams said. Absolutely. It's exactly what they said. The shop is clean. But I, I don't want to go into a grocery store that's dirty. I don't want to go to a gas station that's dirty. I don't want to go into a convenience store that's dirty. So, and, and I don't think it has to be big, beautiful garage mahal. It just has to be well kept, like somebody cares about it. Um, I think that that sends the impression and I think it's very important in the follow-up when the customer does show up to your business, they need to know that people care about the business and that they're gonna care. The inference is they're gonna care about them and their car. Thank you guys for being online today. I would continue for the next two, Two hours. I don't think we uh, scratched the surface. As always, I just appreciate you participating. Mr. Adams, thank you. Jeff, thank you. Bill Greeno, I will see you sometime tomorrow. Thank you for those of you that watched. Last but not least, I guess, since Greg came back in the picture, Greg, thank you very much for participating today. Take care, guys. We're going to call it the end. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. That's it for this one. This episode was brought to you by GearForShops.com and The Institute. To find more episodes or for more information about the services we provide, visit iForAve.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in the next one.